Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Awards Radar Podcast. Bet you can't guess who I am. I'm Steve. No, yes. I'm Joe. I know, finally. Um, and we've got a uh, big crowd here today, so let's let's get right to introducing them. First up, we have Miles. Hi, Steve. There we go. Always good to play along. We we actually do have Steve. Hi, Steve. Hi, Joe. I'm Steve. I mean, that's the same response you would give in a normal week, so nothing really has changed. Um, and we are joined. I know. Can just wait until we do sugar and spicy later. Okay. Uh, and we have Casey. Hello. Casey's back. And also Kendall. Hey, we're all Steve today, though. In a very we are real all way. Steve today. Aren't yeah. We all Steve? <laughs> what I mean, a beautiful day. I mean, considering what Kendall said when she got on to the uh, chat, Kendall is definitely Steve today. Yeah, I am. I am nursing a hangover, but I am here for you guys. Mm. See what she does. Yeah. See what I, I give up so much. Maybe <laughs> she is Steve. Mm. I mean, We're drink all enough. Steve. Drink enough. Anyone can be anyone. Yeah, drink the Kool Aid. We're all Steve. Oh, I don't drink Kool Aid. <laughs> I mean, that's how you got here, right? Didn't I give you Kool Aid and you woke up and you were editing a podcast? I think it was uh, high C, but close mm. enough. True. Mm. Ecto also, I, oh, don't get me started. Ecto <laughs> How do you know? That's, oh, wait. Did it get us all the same way? Yeah, if I ever wind up dead in a cult, it's because they offered me high C. I mean, Ecto Cooler. And I was like, well. I, I, need to be Gatorade Zero. I, I mean, you can I get do, me to go anywhere with some Glacier Freeze. I was about to say, White Cherry uh, Gatorade Zero is, uh, Ooh, is my reward yeah. when I finish. That one is good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's what you guys came for um, drink reviews. So, <laughs> on tap today, we'll be reviewing uh, Coke with coffee. What do we think? Uh, no. Pass. Yeah. The answer is the dark roast, terrible. The, the mocha, meh. Uh, caramel, meh. Vanilla, not bad. If you like vanilla Coke. I don't think it, you could possibly make something I'd want to try less. <laughs> oh, I definitely Sounds could. bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, coming soon, Sprite with Salmon. Ew. Oh. See? I solved <laughs> that pretty easily. That's true. You you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or tab. Mm. I've never tried tab. It's not no. actually that bad. It tastes they like they still very, sell it. I kind of yeah. want to try it. I, I got it when I first was diagnosed as diabetic and I was like, well, I can't have sugar anymore. Or spicy. Aha. So let me ask you this. Uh, Why tab instead of Diet Coke? Because it Cheap wasn't blood. initially owned by Coke, I think. Hmm. I believe. No, I, but I mean, why did you choose tab instead of diet? Oh, I'd had other things. I was like, because I don't really like diet anything. Mm. And it was my adjustment period. And, and the zero sugar brands are a little less like, ugh, this is super gross and artificial. But I was just like, well, people have been drinking tab since like, you know, 1812 or something like that. So let's let's give it a <laughs> shot. It's okay. It's very like... In the way that some people think Pepsi is like overwhelmingly sweet, Tab sort of has that like phony version of that. Is it better than RC Cola or whatever it's called? No, it's actually I like RC actually. Oh really? Yeah, it's controversial. You're the one customer. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) though interestingly, it it worked to my favor in Iceland. I was in Iceland like the November November 2016. So. I got out at the right time. And the so since Iceland's like excluded from the rest of the world, it's the same way like when you go to Hawaii, everything's expensive because everything's an import. 
um, we went to the supermarket to get stuff for like the Airbnb and it was, everything was really expensive, but my friends wanted to drink and they wanted mixers and I wanted soda. So the, there was a like pricing hierarchy of Coke, Pepsi and RC. And I was a little surprised, but I was like, wait, I can spend like half the amount of money and have RC as opposed to like Coke or Pepsi, whatever. Cool. I can use that money on other things in a foreign country. Cool. It worked out, worked out pretty well, but yeah, nice. we can, we can move on from uh, beverages for now. And uh, first up, let's talk about the Snyder cut because that's a thing that exists. And I saw it last week and kind of hinted a little bit about it. Um, I believe Steve has seen it, and I know Miles has seen it, and I can say with uh, full certainty that Kendall and Casey have not seen it. No way. So, Did not uh, put four hours into that, to be honest. Honestly, probably nor should you, um, because the way I described it to people as I was experiencing it wouldn't make you want to watch it. So um, the way I explained it to Miles, like right before, and Miles went in pretty, uh, I wouldn't say kicking and screaming, but, you know. I, not, I did not go in with a with an overwhelming amount of enthusiasm. Let's say that no, and I didn't. I didn't help matters because I, I explained. Uh, so there's a. You guys saw at least like the trailer for the first version. No one liked, right? With like Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So they made a big deal of like Batman going to recruit the Flash, and uh, you know he's like, oh, well, you know, come join. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm in. Like very easy, like because everyone else is resistant. And in the original, um, I guess, Joss Whedon cut, whatever the hell we want to call that one, that happens like 15, 20 minutes into the, you know, hour and 40 minute movie or however long it is. And uh, in the Snyder cut, it happens 91 minutes in. Oh, God. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I saw the, the original movie. movie. I just I haven't, haven't seen, seen the Snyder, Snyder cut. cut. I heard how long it was. I was about to say, I'm, sorry. Out right away. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you experienced the, either of them. I mean, listen, <laughs> the, the long and short of it, and we'll, we'll talk a bit more when... when Miles chimes in is the Snyder Cut's better, but it's still like if you don't like the central like premise of the movie, it's not changing anything. If you're still like this is dumb, it's still gonna feel dumb. It's just a better version of dumb, and it as it actually kind of follows a story this time as opposed to like shit that's like stuck at the wall to see what happens. Like I still love the the story in Vanity Fair about. <laughs> what happened so you guys know like Zack Snyder quit slash was fired slash resigned whatever his, he had his family tragedy didn't want to fight the studio they brought in Joss Whedon he tinkers tries to make it like Marvel style apparently once it's done his wife Deborah Snyder who's uh, his producer who we also interviewed on the site watched the first cut of it with um, Christopher Nolan <clears throat> who's a producer also you know famous director but they watch it it ends. They turn to each other, and I think Deborah says, "We can never let Zach see this. It'll kill him." Like that's how much they're like, "This is not what we shot. This is some weird, shittier version." So they essentially just erased all the shitty stuff, and it's it's honestly fine. Like it's 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 poorly paced and and has no reason to be four hours long, but also kind of oddly teases out a sequel I'd rather see, and I know I won't see. So that was kind so of interesting. Here's a fun question for you. So which movie is better, Suicide Squad or the hour 40 minute, whatever it is, Justice League? Justice League, because it's actually a movie. 
Yeah, I just couldn't get over. I was so excited for Suicide Squad when it came out, and like the editing was all over the place. I I was like, is this a movie or did someone make this on like iMovie? Well, that's a good. That's another good example of what happened here. Like the the new like mm-hmm. fan theory is like we want the air cut now of of Suicide Squad. There isn't one. It's not really like that. Um, but yeah, with Suicide Squad, they he apparently made a movie that made sense, and Warner Brothers didn't like it, and it didn't test well. And they did test screenings of like his version, and I think a trailer company edited his the movie, which is why it has no like momentum besides mm-hmm. like. Oh, here's things happening. Here's another thing that happens in the next scene. And another one. Are they connected? Do they make sense? You be the judge. Um, <clears throat> and I think that one somehow tested higher. So they put that one out. Wow. But Yeah, no, it's got to remember also, Suicide Squad is an Oscar winning film. <laughs> Wait, for what? I don't even remember. For uh, makeup. Oh, all right. Well, that's fair. I mean, it still beat much better movies. Like It, it yeah. didn't deserve to win. But it is kind of funny that it is literally the Academy Award-winning Suicide Squad. Yikes. So I'm going to pull up what it beat. Miles, give your, give your take on uh, the Snyder Cut, knowing okay. how much you love the fandom involved in this. Oh, boy. Okay, so buckle in, everybody. Um, so I went into this very trepidatious. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of Snyder's DC movies. I think Man of Steel is decent but flawed. And I have probably spent more time and energy in my life hating Batman v Superman than any other movie I can think of. So I was not pumped for this. Uh, but I went in, you know, trying to go in with an open mind. And I'll be damned if I didn't kind of love it. Um, I think <clears throat> part of the reason is um, you can really see what he was originally going for. It does follow the same plot progression as the theatrical cut. It's the same story beats, but literally every single scene actually feels like a real scene. And like, you see what they were going for. You see the rhythms it was supposed to have. You see all the little details that don't necessarily add to the story, but they do a great job of just fleshing out the world and making the whole thing have this sort of fantastical operatic sort of grandeur. I mean, Joey, you're saying, you know, the flash recruitment scene doesn't happen until 90 minutes in. I'll do you one better. Bruce Wayne does not dress up as Batman in this movie until two hours in. Literally, it's over halfway through before you see Batman. Um, And yeah, it is long, but it doesn't feel its length as much as I was expecting. It still doesn't need to be as long as it is. You can definitely cut out the three back-to-back epilogue scenes setting up sequels that will likely never exist. You can definitely lose the fucking Jared Leto Joker comeback scene. Hmm. Um, But I don't know. It's just such a big swing. And I think that for me, one of my biggest guilty pleasures in sort of film viewing is I love a movie that's got a big bold, weird vision, and they just swing for the fences. I love a Synecdoche, New York. I love a Cloud Atlas. I love a Southland Tales. I love a movie that just has a really bizarre vision and just is fully committed to spending so much money bringing that vision to life. And I don't know, it's weird and it's silly and it's not perfect, but it's kind of entertaining. I went into it thinking I'm going to watch this out of obligation and then I'll never see any version of this again. And by the time I was done, I was like, I Four hours or not, I could watch this again. Yeah. Well, here, I know you said uh, you spent more time hating BVS than anything else. Batman versus Superman or Eraserhead? I hate you. <laughs> Don't you um, love that I remember the things that you try to forget? 
I guess Batman v Superman. But and before anyone says anything, yes, I've seen the Ultimate Edition. It's not better. It's just longer. I guess I won't say anything. Uh, you know what? I don't know that it's necessarily better, but I I I like it better. The uh, the extended cut because at least there's like a full Superman movie and a full Batman movie in there, as opposed to the original cut, which is like. I'm making a Batman movie. Oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be making a Superman sequel. Yeah, he's in this, too. Don't worry. So it's a funny thing with all the Snyder stuff. There's such mixed takes on it because I've heard a lot of people say the opposite. They said, oh, it's so much better. It's it, like, like Joey said, you know, there's more of a movie there, but it's just so much better. Then I hear people say. I think a lot of times those are the 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 origins of the like release the Snyder Cut people. You know, they they want to defend the, the product and it's an opportunity to defend the product. I think there's a little yeah. bit of that there. Um, could be. I don't know, Steve. You, did you see it? So, what did you think? I started it last night, and I made the mistake of starting it late, so I saw about half of it. Um, and I really enjoyed all the slow motion because it put me to sleep. <laughs> um, go. from what I've what I've seen, I don't remember the the original all that much. I did see it once, and I didn't want to go back. I did like the the flow of it from what I had seen, and I just thought I think. Early on, the opening credits, it takes like 15 minutes before it feels like it, before someone even speaks. You know, if he just trims a little bit here, I think it's going to be a good film. I, It's unfortunate that there's so much talk about this around it, and you can't just watch it as a film. It's got to be this big event, and the whole world has got to have a really strong uh, opinion on it, because I think it would do better if it just showed up in theaters and people can just rinse their... Uh, rinse their brains of the original and give a DC kind of a, like a reboot. Eh, HBO Max wanted yeah. their uh, oh, of their, course, their big shiny they, toy. They needed a killer app. No, I, I don't think this. I think the best version of this movie is somewhere in between the two cuts. Like if you had a really solid, like two and a half to three hour sort of version yeah. that preserves all of Snyder's sort of vision, but loses the filler and loses some of the padding that like. I get that it's deliberate pacing, but sometimes it's a little much. If you if you just trim out some of that stuff, you could still keep all the great new additions that are in this version. Well, it's also, you know, they they got to remember when they shot it. At the time, Wonder Woman was the shiny new toy, and Aquaman still hadn't come out. So it was, you know, there's there's a lot early on of like Aquaman and uh, and Wonder Woman where I'm just like, I, I've seen their movies. Like this is not the most interesting version of them. So there's another like half hour to an hour out of the first act you can basically cut out of true we don't need giant battles with either of them against you know an enemy we still don't care about for a thing we don't understand yet we only know anything about this whole like mother box nonsense because we kind of watched the first movie so casey and kendall it it's broken down to chapters and i've heard Mm -hmm. that it's better actually to, to view it as almost episodes so it'd be interesting if one of you watches it straight through and the other one watches it like four nights in a row chapter by chapter no here's what you should do you should trade off watching chapters like one of you watches chapter one the other watches chapter two and on and off like that and then get together and try and explain the movie to each other (laughs) no that could be entertaining entertaining, yeah yeah. see yeah i don't know i just think it's really telling that i just think with this movie the first thing thing that you guys keep bringing up is like what could have been cut out of it yeah, if you can yeah. if you can find a long movie that couldn't you, that doesn't use a trim, you found like an utter classic and like this is not a classic. But like Titanic. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, don't, don't, <laughs> don't get me started what I can cut out of Titanic. I mean, I, mean, I, get, I get what they were trying, trying to do, though. though with, like, if it's, if going, it's going, going to be the Snyder cut, you kind of have to show people everything he was going for and everything he shot and intended to show. So I do get the point of it. But well, yeah, that seems like it was always going to be kind of too long of a movie. Yeah, no, if you have if you have your bite at the apple, you know, you're you're, of course, going to going to go, well, I'm going to put everything in this damn thing because this is my shot. Right. And it's just sort of like, I'm done with this afterwards. So, of course, there's that was going to happen. There's a lot of moments of uh, where you can check your phone, go grab a snack or a drink, use the restroom. You know, that's a good thing about this. <laughs> his cut. <laughs> you, you, you won't be waiting to use your phone for four hours. There'll be plenty yeah. of look-down opportunities. You hear that, Zach? The best part about your movie is that it can be easily ignored at long stretches. <laughs> We all take away from it what we like, you know, what we like best. Steve, this is me, why I interviewed his life and not you. The other exactly. thing that's fascinating to me about the new version is because the presumption is they brought Joss Whedon in to kind of make it lighter, kind of make it funnier. Yeah. But the Snyder Cut is way funnier. Like, they're not always intentionally so. There's an amazing scene early on where um, Aquaman returns to the water and there's like a group of villagers that are serenading him. And then one of them wanders over and picks up his sweater and starts huffing it and then singing even louder. And that's so much funnier than anything that was in the Whedon version. I so want to kinda... believe that was a improv by, uh, by just someone who was like Jason Momoa. Ugh. Maybe. You know? I mean, given how long the camera lingers on him taking his shirt off and swigging beers and stuff like that, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just as much Snyder. That's true. Um, yeah, no, it's so the difference is all of the things in the original cut that you went like, well, that's dumb, are mostly removed. Like, there's no opening with like some like random gangster on the roof with the parademon that that stupid thing's not there because it didn't make any sense and you didn't really care there's no russian family at the end where like oh here's some more random people to save and, and there's some no of the, the flash falling on wonder woman's boobs yeah i mean you know not every improvement was for the better no, kidding. Um, no, listen, all of the things where you're just like, I, I know what you were going for, but like, it's also weird that all the things he did that didn't work are not the things he did in, in either of the Avengers movies. Like, it was not the uh, the tone he brought there. So I, he was trying to do like some other like, like hacky kind of thing. It didn't it didn't work. So at least like, yeah, it's also funny to realize what was still in the original Snyder vision as like, can you make this movie a little funnier so people will come see it? And his, you know, like, my man was there from him, and most of the Flash is like, you know, I need friends, was still was still there. And even the deleted, like, scene with the the Flash's love interest is is pretty funny, because it's got the, uh, the, the punchline with the dogs. Yeah, well, that could be a whole Flash short film, honestly. Like, if you've never heard of the Flash, that one scene is a great little introduction to the character. Yeah. Like both, I would say both Flash and Cyborg feel like actual characters in this version. Even Steppenwolf, who's like the biggest joke of a villain in film history, <laughs> he's not significantly better, but he's he fe- he has motivation now. His armor looks a little bit cooler. Like there's a little bit going on with the character as opposed to nothing at all. Well, you can tell his armor as opposed to is he just like got like some sort of skin disorder? He's it's he's <laughs> he's like a little porcupine. Well, yeah. see, that's, that's intriguing, intriguing though, because. because as someone who hasn't seen the Snyder, Snyder cut, cut the, Flash the Flash was one of my favorite parts of Justice, Justice League. League. I really liked him. And so, and so if there's more, more of him in the Snyder, Snyder, Snyder cut, like that's encouraging. encouraging. I, would I, would that. I would watch that. I would, I would have Flash have his, have his own movie. He is. Yeah, it sort of works. <laughs> so, oh, 
All right, so Casey doesn't know about the Flash movie, so maybe we should tell her about it. Oh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> they're loosely adapting the Flashpoint comic where um, Flash uh, tries to go back in time to sort of stop his mom from dying and ends up sort of breaking the timeline. And it's not been officially announced, but the common consensus seems to be they're going to use this as an excuse to fix the DCEU timeline and sort of remove the stuff that's not working, but mm. keep the stuff that is working. Um, one of the big details in it is that not only is Ben Affleck coming back as Batman, presumably for the last time, but so is Michael Keaton. And he might end up staying on as the new sort of Batman for this universe, whereas Robert Pattinson Batman is going to be in his own continuity. This he might go on to be, you know, the Batman beyond Batman. Yeah, in the same way that I'm glad Flash is getting a movie in the same way, like the new Spider-Man movie supposedly is going to have all of the Spider-Man. Throughout the year, Spider-Man, Spider-Man, you know, Jim Spider-Man. Um, God, I, who, imagine if your last name was Spider-Man. How cool that would be. That would be a cool last name. Um, this one, Flashpoint, is going to have other versions of Batman, at least one. They've, they've been trying to make this movie for a while, and it's always like a kind of you-can-do-anything-you-want situation. So they, there was one rumor that, like, when he fixes the timeline, um, Ben Affleck wasn't going to be Bruce Wayne, but he was going to be his father because instead of his parents being killed, you know, the the, the crook was going to kill the kid, and uh, and his parent, his dad was going to become a, a vigilante instead. Like, but I you know, that's, that's, like, that's the foregone, foregone conclusion. conclusion. Like, like someone, someone needs to become, to become Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. Oh like, no, yeah, 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 we can't. Like, 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 some there, a Wayne, Wayne was going, was going to, become to become Batman. Yeah. Batman. If you're rich. And someone in your family is killed by a poor person, you will become a superhero. But you know what? Do all the billionaires existing in our timeline, timeline like, have like, they, they're, they're, the, the, right the right people are not rich because, because, because like, Elon, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Jeff Bezos like, we could have, like, like, we could have, like, three, three separate, separate Batman, Batman at this point. At this point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the problem is, like, the 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 billionaires who we see usually, the the Jeff Bezoses, the he who will, shall not be named, they also don't look like they're in very good shape. Yeah. Like they don't, they don't yeah, look like they've been training. Like we still have that, we still have that damn like CrossFit sequence of Ben Affleck like get hitting like uh, tires with a hammer to get in shape to fight Superman. You know, which that's, doesn't that's make sense because he's also like waking himself up with a bottle of booze and sleeping with chicks. He he can just do it all apparently. I mean, sex can burn calories if you're doing it right. He doesn't look like he's doing it right. <laughs> I mean, I, my guess, my guess is Bruce Wayne is not a generous lover. That's true. Hmm. I can't especially imagine since, he would like, be, no. Especially nah. since it's, like, out of obligation for his, like, you know, I'm supposed to be billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. Uh, right, even yeah, though, like, keep up the appearance, appearance. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, you know, I sure, baby, I'm thinking of you. He's thinking of the Joker. He's in love with Rachel, Rachel anyway, anyway, too, right? right? Is that, like, part of this timeline? Part of this Batman? That's, that's from the Christopher Nolan movies. That's, that's and, those, and those are the ones I like. Those are the good ones. Yeah, those are very much a self-contained sort of trilogy. Yeah. No, now, is... now I'm just thinking about Joker and how wonderful, wonderful that was. Yeah. <laughs> well, that version of Joker. I mean, yeah. do you guys know about the supposed alternate ending to Joker? No, Joker, but Casey hasn't Joker. seen it. Casey hasn't seen it, and I really want her to see it, but I haven't. I, haven't just just, I guess that's going to go out the window. But I don't. Y'all need to do a react to that one because. <laughs> yeah. It's so good, though. I love Miles, it. Miles, do you know what I'm talking about? The alternate ending to Joker, the movie Joker. I don't yes. know. Was it good? Uh, no. <laughs> um, okay. 
So no, not an improvement. No, just uh, one more darker thing. So you know how like they still show uh, the 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 end of a certain character. I'm keeping it vague. For yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So you know how they towards the end they still do that. Just for my benefit. benefit. Fuck the podcast yeah. audience. audience. At no one can hear that because I need, I need this, this secret, secret cover. No, but like movie. people will know who he's talking about. I'm not like ruining, ruining it. it. No. And anyone no. who's seen the movie or who knows anything about Batman knows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's not. It is a. It is a thing that as soon as you know the characters there, you're like, oh, it's like a fifty-fifty shot. This is going to happen, and it does. And it does. And then as the movie wraps up, there's a there's an interview happening, and uh, a question is asked, and 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 um, Joaquin Phoenix just kind of goes like, oh, you wouldn't get it, right? And it's supposed mm-hmm. to be kind of like interpreted as you will in in apparently an original cut or a script stage. It was going the flesh back to that aforementioned scene, and uh, Joker was going to also end the life of another smaller person who was there. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that didn't make the cut. Now, as someone someone who hasn't seen it, I'm thinking thinking, like like, literally literally smaller, or like like like, in the movie. Like, was it? Was it? Was it? Was it? I'm talking about. I'll keep living under my it's it's yeah i i can i I left that movie wanting a shower because i was just like i don't feel clean having watched this if that was how that movie ended also i'd be like oh well well life means nothing all right yeah well that (laughs) was a guarantee if that scene had made the cut i don't think that movie would have been nominated for all those oscars yeah Yeah, i think it would have been off-putting of just like Mm -hmm. oh like it's it's too much of a bad aftertaste at the last 10 minutes or whatever well, yeah, because the 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 idea is even by the end of it, you're like, well, I guess we I guess we could have a world of like this Joker and whatever the new Batman is and all that. Like, you know, that was never the intent, but there's no necessarily overt reason why Joaquin Phoenix and Robert Pattinson couldn't have a movie if they wanted, you know, except That's not for with this timeline, Joker would be like 60 something by the time he's ready to be Batman. Yeah, which is which is not ideal, but also not impossible but yeah i think i think the that's sort of like the one lingering thing that you need to end that movie is like well i guess eventually there'll be a there'll be a batman you know um yeah yeah so that's that's a that's our that's our joker talk so while we're in this like genre of movies um I'm going to sound like an idiot, and I know this, but so I've been seeing all over Twitter some Bobo guy in, like, a Captain America outfit, and I, I honestly just want to know who he is, and, like, did the movie try to, like, pull it off as Chris Evans, or, like, what's going on? Well, to get there, we have to go back a little bit. Okay. In the beginning. No, I'm kidding. Uh, we don't have to go that far back. In the, be- but, in the beginning uh, of film. I was going to go at the beginning of time, but, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, Kendall's got nowhere to go, right? Um, yeah, so the uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier first episode dropped on Friday, which is a six-episode limited series, kind of how WandaVision was a nine-episode limited series. This is part of Marvel's new like Disney Plus TV thing where it's mm-hmm. limited series, but their movie production values and essentially almost mini-movies, even though they're longer than a movie. And... This one is about Sam, you know, Falcon and, and, and Bucky, the Winter Soldier. And it takes place after the end of Endgame, where, for those of you, potentially you guys who saw the movie, I don't remember, 
um, you know, Captain America gives Sam the shield. Because he's, okay. you know. <laughs> Wait, did you guys see Endgame? No, but I've heard everything okay. happens. So you're not going to spoil anything for me? Well, okay. well actually, actually, we were on a girls weekend right after it came out, and our, and our best friend, friend gave us like a play-by-play of the movie. So shout out to I feel like I've seen it. So old man... Old man, uh, Captain America, Steve gives gives Sam the the shield, implying like I'm obviously not Captain America anymore. You should do it. And as the series opens, he's not feeling it essentially, so he gives the shield to the government as like to go in the Smithsonian. And most of the episode is just, and we'll talk about the episode in a minute because it's a pretty good opening. It's just Sam trying to like get his family uh, life together, and and Bucky dealing with some guilt which is pretty pretty dark and pretty good. And then towards the end, they see a news report of like the government going, because um, Sam gave a speech basically saying, we don't necessarily need symbols, we need action. We need like people to do things. So, you know, it's not that we need Captain America, we need, you know, people. And then the government going, you know what we need? We need Captain America. And they announce basically the return of Captain America and this guy who's definitely not Steve Rogers pops out and the episode ends. So... That is, uh, I don't think they, do they say U.S. agent or they just say Captain America? No, he's U.S. agent in the comics. I think it's, uh, he, they're just going to trot him out as the new Captain America. Yeah. It's but like who John, is he? Uh, who is John, that <laughs> John fucking. John Will- Walker, I think is the character's yeah. name. He's played no, by. Like, what? who's the actor? Oh, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. No, it's not. Overlord's own. Yep. I like Wyatt, Wyatt Russell a lot. A lot. Well, here's, well, the, here's thing, the thing, though. Steve, Steve Rogers, Rogers was, was like a military, military experiment, experiment in the first place, right? So why couldn't there be multiple people well, I mean, that have those powers? Because we're all Steves. Well, I mean, Steve well because we're all, we're all Steves. In the, uh, in the first <laughs> Avenger, they do show that um, Stanley Tucci made the serum and then it either gets stolen or destroyed or something like that. So they don't have the ability to create new ones anymore. And even in the Avengers, they mentioned that Hulk was a failed attempt at sort of replicating that serum. So it was kind of a one and done sort of thing. Although Bucky Mm -hmm. ends up having it later. And then there's the whole other group of winter soldiers in civil war. So maybe fuck all that. Maybe he does have superpowers or maybe he's just some guy. I mean, he certainly looks like a goober with the helmet on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so yeah, Steve Rogers is scrawny kid from Brooklyn. Captain America is, you know, a genetic experiment gone right, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the the like experimentation on someone could certainly be done. My guess is what they're doing is they took like you know the top like marine or something like that, threw him in the suit, and he's gonna be doing like PR. And when when shit goes down with uh, like Zemo or whatever, whoever the, the you know the the big bad of the piece, I guess whatever that terrorist organization that they the flag smashers. There you go. It just sounds like a weird like porn thing. Like flag smashes, um, <laughs> like a site you wouldn't want to visit. Mm. And uh, I'm guessing he's going to not be up to the task and, you know, Sam and Bucky will have to step up. I just can't believe that's Wyatt Russell because I'm like very, I think he's a great actor, but also like I'm into him and he looks like a kid on like his first day going to school. Well, now we know what Kendall like. <laughs> he looks like a little dweeb. <laughs> you know, you know who I thought he looked like? He looks like the guy from Up. With like the big nose and the ears and like the kind oh of God. square jaw. Huh? Like, look at that Carl? picture and tell me he doesn't look like Carl from Up. Yeah, it's a horrible, <laughs> horrible photo. And it's all over the place. Well, it's yeah. the only photo they, they have of him. Well, yeah, because the last shot of the episode is sort of the first reveal of his face. So I'm mm-hmm. sure he'll get more play in the next few. But that's all we got so far. Yeah. Wait, what do you like him from? Me? Yeah. 
Um, he was in a Black Mirror episode that I really liked. Yeah, um, it was a really, really good Black Mirror. Mirror. He was in 22 Jump Street, which I love those movies. I'm trying to think. That's the things I can think of. I'm trying to think. I'm trying he, to figure he, out. he stole the show in uh, Overlord, if any of you have seen that. I mean, Overlord's not mm-hmm. great, but he's there. I think Overlord's Okay, okay. Good. So but if I just looked up why I wrestled dressed up as Captain, Captin America, America, that, that is, is a dweeb. dweeb. Yes, that <laughs> he looks like a little goon. goon. I, had I, had to, I had to look because you guys were talking about it. He looks like a goon. If you guys want to watch a good movie he's in, watch Everybody Wants Some. Yeah, I've been wanting to watch that one. He's he's great in that. There's just something about a Richard Linklater like college set movie where Wyatt Russell gets to be like, you know, here for a good time, not a long time. Like he's just that <laughs> guy. He's very much that guy, and it's awesome. Oh, Ingrid Goes West. Yeah. Love oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was really, really good. good. Mm-hmm. I, I loved that movie. Oh, he was in this is 40. He was a hockey player. He's been in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he's, 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 a lot. Yeah, yeah. he's the guy with no teeth that uh yeah. that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that hits on Leslie Man. Yeah. 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 No, I um in Ingrid Goes West, he's the one who calls cocaine like nose soda or something like that. And I was like, right, right. wait, what? I had never heard it called that. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's, yeah. let's get him on the podcast and ask him why he looks like a little kid going to, to elementary school for the first day. I mean, right, like, right? Like, 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 if you like, told me why at Russell, Russell has Captain America, America, I was like, I was no, like, no, no, he's got, got a lot of pretty hot. Like, like, he's, he's not, not a small child looking man. He is, but, but, but he but doesn't. How do yeah. you know that you definitely don't want to uh, have Wyatt Russell uh, role play and get in costume? <laughs> not Matt no, costume. he looks like a little kid on Halloween. Like that is that not is my Wyatt Russell. <laughs> do, do you think they did that on purpose though to make his uniform not look I like it's kind of well ill-fitting a little bit? Yeah, What's depressing is I, I've reached the age now where I get to look at people who are like four months older or younger to me and be like, well, that's not fair because he's four months older than me. And we don't look like we're from the same species. <laughs> <laughs> like, or planet. Like, that's not acceptable. Well, he's uh, he's on his second wife, girls, so, you know. Oh, is he? Third time could be the charm. All right, thing. come on, he's, number he's big flexible. number three. <laughs> <It'll be me. laughs> well, the first one lasted five years. Uh-huh. And uh, this one is two years in. And he took two years off in between. So there's a pattern emerging. So oh, give boy. it three years. So give me, yeah. Up. Or give me like five years because he has to take two years off after. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's got to get some time to time to right. Russell, Russell, Russell. Russell. I'm ready. Got to sew his oats again. Or does it count? Like, if he gets divorced <laughs> for the second time, does he really have to? Or is it more just like, well, out on the town again, I guess? Third time's mm-hmm. charm. Which is funny because Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are like one of the like. So cute. Like, like one of the few. longest lasting sort of Hollywood couples. Yeah. 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 They're yeah, so yeah that's the same because they didn't get married. Yep. Just living in sin. Also, not their <laughs> first, not their first marriage or like relationships. Mm-hmm. Golden Home would have been, this would have been her third marriage and would have been his second. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So there you go, Kendall. That's when you jump in. After his second marriage, <laughs> then you get to not marry him forever. I don't know. This picture is making me have second thoughts. I'm staring at it. You'll never see him the same, same way again. As we're talking. You know what it makes me think? It makes me think just how lucky they got that Chris Evans like kind of looks normal in the helmet. Because at one point, John Krasinski was up to play Captain America. 
And can you imagine his big floppy Jim Halpert ears sticking out of that helmet? That would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. That's like, you're right. You're right. You gotta give more credit to Chris Evans on that one. Because he makes that costume look good. Is it a costume, a uniform, whatever? That costume. That costume. It's a bit of both. I just imagine. I just imagine. Yeah, yeah. I just imagine Casey now in this alternate reality where I stayed in the police academy, like talking to you guys, like, "Oh, you look good in your costume." Your police <laughs> costume. costume. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So who's our who's our celebrity who you'd like to be married to on their third or fourth try? Casey Kendall has already been assigned White Russell, so she's out of this now. <laughs> you don't get to choose anymore. Yeah. Right. Great. Fine. You want a second choice? You get a second choice. I don't know. Well, you guys go first. I'll think about it. Right. Here's the thing. is, like, for me, for me, I would, I would choose someone who seems like they have good priorities, good priorities and it's like a family, family man, but then, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want their marriage just to fall apart. Like, that's too sad. sad. Like, I would want, like, like, Paul Rudd or, like, maybe, or, like, maybe Chris Hemsworth because he's dreamy, too. But, like, it's got I think Paul Rudd, Rudd is my guy. I don't know if he's married or not, actually. I know he's married because the school that I occasionally substitute teach at, his kids have gone there. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. So you can, you can you get, can me, get in me in there. there. He's been married I'll since 2003. He's been married since 2003. Um, so see, yeah, like, yeah, I don't want to wish that on. They can go be happy. happy. I need, I need someone. someone. Here's the quirk. Here's the quirk of this game. It has to be someone who's already on their second marriage. Or second, like, I don't know if I know that much about these people. I don't have a Rolodex of celebrities of where their marriages are at. I'm going to look it up as we Hold on, let me pull my note. Well, I have two. I have two in my head now, and okay. they're both on their first marriages, I think. But so this one's really like hard for me because Ryan Reynolds, but I don't ever want him to break up with Blake Lively. True. Yeah, that would like Yeah, he's he was previously married to Scarlett Johansson. Oh, okay. God, I forgot about that. And also Matthew Lillard, but like I don't want him to break up with his wife because they've been together for like twenty two years and they're real cute. I mean, if she hasn't left him for the movies he's made, she's never going to leave him. Yeah, I think there's no true love. He told us not to watch watch his movies. movies. I know. I know. That's like one of my best accomplishments so far. (laughs) Being warned by the person who's not watching his movies. Yes. God, we haven't, haven't even gotten, gotten to Scooby-Doo yet. It's, it's about, about to get, to get sold. sold. The best part is that 13 ghosts, you, you haven't gotten to the like 17 direct-to-video like Scooby-Doo cartoons that he continues to do that you now have to watch. Oh, yeah, we're not going to watch <laughs> yeah, You're not going to watch <laughs> no. the Scooby-Doo and WWE crossovers? No, oh, but God. I am disappointed There's more that, than one of them. Yeah, yeah. there have been a bunch of TV movies that he's like the lead and we can't find them. That's disappointing to me. Yeah, they're nowhere. I don't think he wants you to find them. He doesn't want us to watch any well, of them. clearly not. <laughs> but yeah. it's happening. It's happening. I mean, listen, you watch Ghoulies go to college, so you've already... Uh... Ghoulies 3, Joey. Ghoulies 3. college. <laughs> I don't go to college until the third movie. Let's no. be clear on that. Just wait till you get to, like, Messages Deleted from 2009. A Canadian horror thriller. Ooh. See, that was fun to me. I'm, I'm excited, excited for Without a Paddle. paddle. From yeah. the writer of Phone Booth and Cellular. Ooh. Wait, wait. Wait, you guys all got what just happened, right? From the writer of Phone Booth and Cellular. This person only writes. Isn't that Larry Cohen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he does some good stuff. Yeah, but he only does uh, phone-themed movies now. Nah, that's like two of his movies. He also I made mean, like Cue the Winged Serpent back in the 80s. That's not I mean, a phone he's, movie. He's, I mean, he's also dead, but you know. Did he also make Landline or... He made like, Captivity. <laughs> no? He made Captivity. When a Stranger Calls. Yeah, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I, I can, can name phone losers all, all day. He also did that awful. That um, actually might be my only one. Yeah, he did the awful. Uh, <laughs> he did the awful Elisha Cuthbert movie Captivity also. Oh. His next film is Two Cups on a String. Uh, his next film. Is <laughs> oh, I get it. His next film is Coming Back from the Dead. He died in 2019. Oh. <laughs> wow, that got real dark real quick. But he was on his second marriage, so he is eligible if Kendall or Casey want to uh, make a play now. Just got, just got to exhume him, bring him back with a mother oh, boss. So I'll go, I'll schedule a seance. There you go. Mm. And uh, Steve or, or Miles, you got a uh, previously divorced actor you'd like to be with? I mean, I don't know actors' marital statuses, but if Eva Green is free and she can get at me. <laughs> that, was, that was a very quick answer better. for someone who had no, who is like, I don't know. Oh, no, Eva Green. <laughs> Well, I don't know the, her marital status, but I know that um, you know, she looks good in eyeliner. Yeah, she, uh, she really I'm on, does. I'm on her personal life Wikipedia page. Green considers herself nerdy. Oh, see? Girl after my own heart. Yeah. Boom. Um, um, when asked about her preference to play graphic sexually charged roles, Green describes it as paradoxical given her self-confessed shyness. Well, yeah, wasn't she like naked for fifty percent of her screen time in that Sin City movie? Yeah, yeah uh, there's a, no. lot a lot of actresses that have a lot of very sexy roles, roles say that. that. Yeah, like, it's, it's like, like very, very different to their personality. personality. No information about relationships, though. She did reveal that Harvey Weinstein made an inappropriate advance at her in two in two thousand seventeen, and she pushed him off. Yuck! Huh? Good honor. Yeah. That's go. most yeah, of good for her. most of Hollywood. She was really good in a Shailene Woodley movie that no one saw called White Bird and Blizzard. I saw it. I love the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah she, she was in that. Yeah, I like that movie a lot. I don't like the movie, but it's uh, they're very good in it. Yeah, Both her and Shailene Woodley. Um, it's with- that's I the movie where Kendall looks, looks exactly, exactly like Shailene, Shailene Woodley. Yes. There's a Which, shot where she is me. <laughs> I, I, I've seen that shot. Yeah. But it is very weird to say that to people who don't know that because the shot most people know is Shailene Woodley's nude scene in that movie. Oh, you probably have to smile a little more. She's wearing like a big cardigan. I'm like, no, yep, I know, that, I know that, the picture. Cool. I have yeah. the picture. You sent yeah. me the picture. It's his wallpaper. <laughs> 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 but yeah, oh. that was my my 15 seconds of fame in that movie. Fair enough. Um, Steve, you got a you got a one because Miles copped out on someone who's not married. Well, I'm going to do this one. My wife. Maybe I don't want to break up anyone else's (laughs) relationship. You ever think about that? Yeah, Uh, yeah, that's my issue with it. It's a mean little game. Well, no, you're waiting. You're just laying in wait like a like a snake in the grass. Yeah, that'll go over well. Okay, fine. But for the for the sake of the joke, before we move on, I'll I'll say Scarlett Johansson because she's moving in my direction anyway. She went from Ryan Reynolds to uh, the um, French. No, no. In between was the French journalist. Oh, I forgot so she about, went the, from, oh, I forgot about from the guy between. Attractive actor to journalist to funny Jewish guy. So like she's slowly <laughs> getting me. Uh, you're obviously next. I mean, I, I was standing next to her at that marriage store party. So you know. So you and Kendall just you both you and Kendall just you both have like five years and then you just dropped to a knee there. You were good. <laughs> she's already got divorce on the mind for promoting marriage story exactly that was my it was my time the universe converged and i was not ready to meet it though she has that massive back tattoo and that was a little strange because she was wearing is that, is that really a deal breaker for scarlett johansson though oh no i didn't say it was no. a deal breaker it was just noticeable because <laughs> she was wearing a largely backless dress and i was like oh that's that's a substantial tattoo 
It's just not what you expect to see at like a very fancy party. Like, who's the? Uh, no, that's the person the party's for. Cool. Go figure. I don't know. I think that's kind of dope. I, don't know. I think her. that's kind of dope. Good. I for mean, her. her and Ben Affleck got the giant back tattoos. Yep, they're rocking it. What a choice. Especially makeup the app, slash special effects people hate having to do any scene where their backs exposed. Oh yeah, no. Every time, every time she's in like a, a sexy scene, now they're just like, God damn, there's CGI involved now. Can, can you not shoot her from the front or something? God damn it. <laughs> Says noted skeezy filmmaker Miles Hughes. <laughs> just shoot her from the front. I just see like a big cigar hanging out of his mouth as he says that. <laughs> I should have I should have realized how that would fall back on me. <laughs> Somewhere Kevin Spicy is like, uh, this is why I work with him. Yeah, you'll you'll see what Kevin Spicy's up to later in the episode. Indeed. Uh quickly I want to mention the South by Southwest uh, film festival, which I is, I guess is still happening or just ended like that it's very weird when they do these things online. They don't really let you know what's happening to any notable degree. Um, I didn't watch that much just because honestly, not a whole lot struck my fancy as like, this seems like something I want to dive into, but I will tell you guys about what I did see. So I, I saw nine movies and I'll go and uh, order from the ones I cared the least for. There's only two that I didn't really like. Um, one was the end of us. And here's the premise. All right. Essentially it's about like, a couple breaking up, but the guy has to still live with her. So, a movie you've seen a million times before, right? Yeah, it sounds kind of good, premise. though. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, but it's happened on the night of March 10th, 2020. Oh, oh that sucks no. for them. So now they're oh. quarantined together. Yep. So you just don't know if I need, so like, quarantine Like, we know what's like, happening. Do I want to also watch movies about it? Like, while we're still doing it? While we're still doing it. still doing it. Like, rub it in. Why don't Um... There was another COVID movie that was actually good that I'll talk about in a, in a minute. But yeah, as a general rule, I don't want – here's a movie you've seen before, but added thing, like current events thing. Like even it doesn't have to be current. Like you all remember, remember Remember Me, the terrible Robert Pattinson movie? Oh, my oh, God. Oh. I, yeah, the I, movie that people only know about because 9-11 happens at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to regret, well, I'm going saying, to regret saying, saying really this, but I really liked that movie before the 9-11. I mean, before it, it was like, whatever. I was like, okay, this is like kind of like static and, and fine, I guess. I'm not, he goes in the, oh, oh, as soon as they wrote the date on the word, I'm like, oh, yep. okay, so they're going to kill one of them. Oh, he's going to work in the Twin Tower. Oh, fuck this movie. Like, gross. Yeah. Uh, but Robert Pattinson was really good in it. Well, yeah, it was the first time I'd seen Robert. It was the first time I'd seen him not in Twilight. Like, oh, wow. Like, oh, he wow. is a good actor. It was just, actor. it's the opposite of a big swing. Like, it's it's taking a giant leap, but, like, literally off a giant building. I don't know. I mean, it's not Twilight. I mean, it's not Twilight. No, no. But I just, it was such a misguided idea of, like, you know what will really hammer the, like, heartbreaking aspect of this doom romance in if he gets killed by terrorists terrorism yeah yeah actual terrorism. yeah like listen i loved united 93 and like even like the world trade center like i didn't have a problem with like oh too soon i just like don't make the movie that doesn't need the thing and add the, add the thing you well, because those movies are about it. This is a movie exactly. that couldn't be less about it until like the last five minutes. Exactly. Like I've seen this movie. I've seen The End of Us before, you know, Breaking Upwards. All these other movies where like people, you know, have a fight and break up and will, you know, stuck together. So they have to decide. I mean, hell, was it like Two Nights Stand or Three Nights Stand is like a similar premise, except you're not dating. Like they make this movie a lot. 
The breakup. Uh, the breakup. Yeah. Like it's just it's well worn territory and this is like their idea of a fresh coat of paint. And it's just it's also because the the begin the first act of the movie has a lot of news reports and like that's not what you want to remember. You know, yeah. you don't need like the like Gavin Newsom, Andrew Cuomo like press conferences in the background. Cause that's just like, oh, remember when we all were like, oh well, we're fucked. Great. Um as opposed to you know, set the stage and then do something with the premise, which I'll talk about in a minute. So yeah, I didn't love that movie. It kind of redeems itself at the end when it starts to actually be about the characters, but it was too far gone by then. Uh, another one was Witch Hunt, which is an awesome metaphor, but not a movie. Because it's a uh, modern America where witches are real and witchcraft is illegal. So essentially, oh. witches are just illegal immigrants. That's how they're treated. Okay. There's a wall. Okay. Um, there's a wall separating them in Mexico where they're being allowed to like be refugees and they're all they're all gingers by the way oh they went that literal, literal, that literal, literal okay, yeah huh? everything is literal um there's a um there's like tests that they give you so like they'll chain you up and then put you in the water to see if you float or sink you know like, but this is what they do in high school to like girls you know they that's like oh report to the gym for your like sink test my god my god and uh this girl um pamela adlon's daughter actually gideon adlon who was the nerdy girl in blockers Oh, okay. Yeah, she's the, uh, her mom runs, like, part of an underground railroad for, like, witches to, like, get them across the border. And she has to, like, you know, her friends are all like, well, witches should be outlawed because the 11th Amendment that bans witchcraft. And they're going to pass, like, a proposition that lets them put them in camps. Like, everything is very on the nose, but just not an interesting movie. Like, the premise is amazing. It's like, yeah, I was about like, to say, that sounds really cool. That's a shame yeah. it doesn't come together. Yeah, most of the movie is just like her and her house and like, oh, we have to put the witches back in the wall while we wait because the government dude's coming by. It's, It was not a great premise. I mean, sorry, it was a great premise. It wasn't great execution. I would love like a remake. Like, just like mm. give them a little more money and like make like either a Blumhouse movie where it's like, okay, here's the premise, here's the world, but it's still a horror, thriller, whatever. Or, you know, make it much more of a drama and just make it all metaphor. Well, that's the thing, thing too. It's like they're always always remaking remaking movies that were great the first time. We should get remakes of movies that, like, could have been great but weren't. Right. I want someone to remake The Purge, but make it good. Yeah, interesting ideas that didn't quite stick the landing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. The Purge was the biggest letdown. I was so excited for that movie. I was like, that's such a good idea. And It is probably my least favorite franchise. The first one is like the least bad, I guess. Oh, it's so bad. The first one is so bad. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I don't care the way they, they sold it in the trailer, trailer and that really, really original, original, original premise. Like, like the movie was, was a steaming turd. I mean, same issue where it's just like, oh, what a cool premise. Oh, this is just like a home invasion movie now. All right, whatever. Um, the whole ending is just a, oh, it's laughable. Then the Purge Anarchy is the worst franchise. Ugh. It was just gross. You're, you're speaking to people who tuned out after the first one. Oh no, I've yeah. seen all. Yeah. I still saw them, but they're I, I forget which is which at this so point. So there's like, the purge. Yeah. There's the purge anarchy, which is just like, oh, we're in the world now. And like it it was just like it's just bad things happen there. Like it was just I here's new new sets of characters. Some of them are about to die. Like it, it just didn't it was awful. And then there was the purge election year, which yeah, was only was- better. Gross. Then the purge anarchy by <laughs> at least sort of trying. Um, I believe I, I I think my review was like the purge election year is only slightly better than Donald Trump. Like it's because well, well, this, this movie, movie franchise, franchise is, is a franchise, a franchise where, where 
you can, you get, can get so, so fucking, fucking lazy, lazy with it, with it and, and just make the same shit over and over again. But like, okay, so it's still the purge, but it's happening to different people now. And then this happens every year. Let's just like show you this again. But it did Well, at least the purge election year, there was a candidate running, and she was like, "I'm gonna get rid of the purge." So like the current president like tries to assassinate her and Frank Grillo has to like escort her across town before the election. Um, and then the last one was the, the first purge where guess what? The purge started on Staten Island. Oh, cool. cool. Um, well, it isn't Marissa Tomei, like yep, the scientist who comes up with the idea and then it's like, Oh, this might've backfired. And then is immediately murdered. Like yep. there's no, like she's, she's in it. She, I hope she likes the house she got from it. Um, she got purged. purged. How, How the, the turntables. Turn it's also just, it rubs you the wrong way. Because, like, <laughs> Staten Island is, you know, thought of as like this, like very white conservative area, but it also has like very poor, like predominantly black projects. And that's where the movie takes place. So they just like lean way into the, like, you know, what would be cool if we could just kill a lot of poor black people. Like, and you're just like, that's not the movie I want to watch. Like this is supposed to be like, you know, horror entertainment or something like that. And, it was not good. And they're making another one. No. I was well, there was already say, like a TV show, too. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, whoever made The Purge, if they could never make movies again, that'd be great. James DeMonico. Ugh. He directed, I think, the first three, and he's written all of them. Let's get and him on a podcast. And coming in July. Out doing any Purge movie. Coming in July, The Forever Purge. Wait, so Wait, what does that, that even mean? Yeah, what the hell? Well, the plot <laughs> is following the presidential election from last year and the abolition of the purge. So, the end of the third movie is the setup for the fifth movie. This is going to turn into Saw, except not good. Um, a Mexican couple escaping from a drug cartel is stranded on a Texas ranch. There, they'll be at the mercy of a group of outsiders who decide to unlawfully continue their own purge and turn against the couple and kill them. Oh, God. Well, so, I'm. Gonna- <laughs> Hold on. If they're going to unlawfully... That's just like, like, hey, we liked murdering, so this is just actual murder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, why would you still respect, oh, we're only doing it one day a year at that point? Just kill people all the time. Like, right. what does that's that matter? Regular old killing. <laughs> that sure so, seems to be what they're doing how, here. How is uh, that the purge at all, then? <laughs> I don't know, but apparently one of them is Josh Lucas. So I'm looking at James DeMonico's resume here. So it's all purge, purge, purge bullshit. And that's like the negotiator, <laughs> Skinwalkers. And then it's Jack featuring Robin Williams. Oh in my god, seriously? No way. How did, yes, how did he go so off the rails? the same person well, he make all he of that? He didn't direct that movie. I don't no, know. I'm, Francis I Ford Coppola directed that. Up, like, yeah. I have his list of movies here and Jack is on there. I don't know. He wrote Jack. Yeah, so how did he, did he write The Purge, too, or direct it? He co-wrote Jack. He wrote and directed the first three Purges, and I think he directed, he directed the first three, he wrote the all five. Well, maybe we have to give his co-writer on Jack more credit, then. Well, yeah, and his co-writer on... Left to his own devices. And The Negotiator. And, well, he did do the remake of Assault on Precinct 13. That's not good. It's not terrible. I mean, it's better than The Purge. I mean, Skinwalkers yeah. is pretty bad. But also better than The I Purge. I hate that name. Skinwalkers. <laughs> Skinwalkers. Yeah, That's disgusting. And he Skinwalkers. Also, uh, it's almost as bad as The Forever Purge. Here's how you know he's bad. <laughs> right? like, are you kidding me? He also, he also wrote three episodes of the TV series version of Crash. Okay, oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to see it now, though. No, well, if that's your reaction, I'm not watching it. Yeah, well, no. Yes, yeah, so back to uh, South by. Yeah, so Witch Hunt, not good. Uh, Alien on Stage was a documentary about 
these uh, British bus drivers and like I think Dorset, they do like community theater and they decide to do Alien. And it's like super low budge, like, and becomes like they go to the West End, like it becomes popular because it's almost like the room level, like kind of done as a comedy unintentionally. Mm-hmm. It was all right. It's not really. So wait, you know what that reminds me of? What was that movie? It was, it was like, like um, Hamlet, Hamlet two, two or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly. yeah, yeah. Well, this is they play it straight, but it's like it's a it's a big burly bus driver, you know, playing the Yafakoto role, you know, and like they're not great actors. They're community theater actors, and you know, if you watch it in a crowd, and like you know, the line delivery is very unironic for a would be ironic line. You you know, you start giggling, and when it's played that way, it it, it starts to work. Um, so that was, it was fine. People love it for some reason. hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes so far. Oh. Um, also hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes movie. I thought was fine. Also swan song review just went up. Um, miles remember, uh, brawl and cell block 99. How could I forget? Remember how unpleasant Udo Kier was? I remember how unpleasant the movie as a whole was. Yes. Yeah. Here he plays a formerly flamboyant hairdresser walking across town to style a dead woman's hair. Oh. oh, he just plays like a like an old um, an old man who's very flamboyant and uh, and kind of funny. Like it, it's not a bad movie. He's very good in the movie. It's just the movie is old only centered around like this apparently real human being who like was a former like well known hairdresser in this Ohio town and his his partners died. He's living in like a retirement home and his I guess one of his clients dies and she gives him a bunch of money to like I want to look beautiful at my funeral. So he walks across town and. He's sort of expecting everyone to be prejudiced and, and, and homophobic. And everyone is just like, all right, thrill, good, to, good to have you. So it's sort of like the passage of time. It was all right. Yeah, that, does, that doesn't um, sound bad. Yeah, yeah it was. He's great. Um, How It Ends is a movie I saw at Sundance, also there. It's um, Zoe Lister-Jones and Daryl Wine, the guy who's people who made Breaking Upwards and Lola Verses and a couple other things. Uh, she did um, Band-Aid. On Sundance mm-hmm. I like that movie. Yeah. She's the star and co-writer and co-director. It's the last day of on Earth. Like there's an asteroid coming. So she's going to go um, walking through L.A. to like a party where the world ends. But she's with the younger version of herself. You know, like instead of like your imaginary friend. But she's literally there. People seem to be able to talk to her also. And it's just walking through town and like they run into all manner of random famous people. It, I th- it seems like they're playing themselves, you know, like Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis and Whitney Cummings and Nick Kroll and Fred Armisen. And some of these people seem to be playing themselves. And some of them don't. It's very strange, but like pleasant, like Olivia Wilde shows up for a minute. Like most of the cast of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia seems to be there at one point or another. Helen Hunt is her mom. It's very interesting. Not great, but like pleasant. And then the uh, the four good ones, like actual, like straight up, I have things good to say about them. The first one is Violet, which I, I talked to Casey about, actually. Yeah, Violet yeah is, you said I would like it. Yeah. First of all, Olivia Munn is one of the best performances I've seen this year. She's a, um, like a, I don't, she's like a movie executive at like a small company. I don't think she's like a producer, but like she like, she's the one who like, an entourage would be like the person who's like, well, we can't make your project. Okay, fine. We'll make your project like the, like two levels down from the head of the, the studio type thing. But she has a, uh, like you can always hear the voice in her head and it's the voice of Justin Thoreau, but it's all like, 
the self-doubt you have. So like there's a scene in the first minute or two where she's she gets up and she has like a snowball for breakfast because it's just what's there and she has to go to work. And her roommate, who's your friend, is like, oh, you know, having having, a, you know, dessert for breakfast. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just in a hurry, like a very casual conversation. But in the background, you just keep hearing Justin Thoreau go, you fat pig, you fat pig, because that's what she's thinking because she's ashamed that she's eating it. And it's just about like over the course of the, the movie. Well, what if the voice in my head's wrong? Like, what if I'm not a pig for having that for breakfast? And what if I, you know, every time some like the my boss is like making a remark that because I'm pretty, that's why people work with me. Well, what if I what if I tell him that's not the case? And like, I'm the one who's actually the brains, of the operation. So it's it's very the concept is amazing. The execution is fine, but she's also great in the movie. Yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea. It's interesting, interesting that like the voice in her head, head isn't her. Yeah, and there's also a lot of text on screen. So like if she's like sitting somewhere and listening to her friend say something and she wants to like disagree, you know, the the voice in her head will be like, "Well, no, you have to agree. Or she won't be your friend, you know. You know, you're worthless without a friend." The text on screen will also be like, "Oh, I don't know what I'm doing" or something like that. It's very ambitious. Oddly, um directed by Justine Bateman. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So that one, I think, was a uh, was interesting. I'm curious to see how it does. Didn't get great reviews. I think a lot of people, I think, expected more from the premise. But she's so good, I, I didn't mind. Uh, Language Lessons is great. Natalie Morales uh, wrote it with Mark Duplass. She directs it, and they two star. It's all basically over video chat, so it's one of those movies. Mm. But um, the concept is um, Mark Duplass's uh, husband gets him 100 Spanish lessons. As like, you know... You always wanted to learn and be immersed in Spanish. Go for it. And so they have their first lesson. It's cute. And then um, Mark Duplass's uh, husband dies. So they essentially have to balance, like, do I keep doing the lessons? Or, like, now I'm alone. Like, I kind of need a friend. It's one of those movies. Like, they develop a friendship. Oh. They're just, they're both very, very good in the movie. Yeah, I like both of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and they speak Spanish, like, a solid 50% of the time. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and he does yeah. a Especially very good job. Especially if he didn't know Spanish before. I don't know if he did. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm pretty sure Natalie Morales did. Like she, they wrote the movie. I gotta imagine they they did not be like, well, now that we wrote this, <laughs> yeah. let's learn how to speak Spanish. That seems like a terrible idea. But he does a really good job of balancing out like being able to speak it somewhat conversationally, but also sounding like like a straight up white guy saying Spanish words. Mm. Like it, it's it's still a performance within it. It was very impressive. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. The other movie that I was mentioning earlier is Recovery, which is the other COVID movie, which is the these two sisters. Um, very funny, very silly, like sisters. They're, you know, the first scene is like, this is going to be our year. Flash forward to like, you know, we, we're going to put Lysol on the Lysol to touch the Lysol to go, you know, like wipe something else down. But then they find out that their grandmother's like nursing home is like riddled with COVID. So like, we got to go get Nana. So they go out in their car and they make a road trip to go get like their grandmother. But it's very funny. It's very silly. Almost like, uh, it felt like they're the not famous versions of like a movie that would be like Kristen Wiig and like, um, like Maya Rudolph, like Maya Rudolph, not sort of, or like even like a, um, from Saturday Night Live. Who's, um, what's her name? Kate, uh, Kate McKinnon. Oh, sure. Love her. I think they're both in a comedy troupe. It's a really funny movie is the thing. Like that's, that's the version of like a COVID movie. I don't mind like 
kind of laugh at yourself because like you know the ridiculousness of all this or like you know as they're driving across i don't i think they're going they're going a long distance but i forget where they're from going to one of them is a teacher so they they have to like keep dealing with like phone calls from one of the parents because the kid keeps calling her for some reason has her phone number and is like a really awkward kid <laughs> because it's like homeschool like you're sort of you, you sort of deal with them another way like she gives them the uh like the class like um, mice or something to watch and it immediately has babies and eats all the babies and she's like my son had to watch you know oh like you know all, that kind of I'm like I have I have after I have mouse afterbirth on my jacket you're paying for the like very like just silliness so that movie I, I liked quite a bit because it had fun with the idea of like all those things as opposed to like reminding you how awful the time was you can you can kind of get away with that I think and then my uh, favorite movie the festival will surprise all of you Quite a bit. It was the documentary Clerk. <laughs> Not surprised. No. Yes. You liked something, that, you involved liked Kevin something that involved Kevin Smith? The I documentary about it. Kevin Smith. I don't Smith. believe it. I enjoyed it. I know. <laughs> bowl you I've over. heard great things. Yeah, that's the thing. It's actually really, really good. Um, because it works if you don't know anything about him. But if you do, you know, it, it's not just like a greatest hits type thing. It, it just it makes the case of like, you know, you know how he's the first one to tell you, like, ah, I'm, I'm shitty. It's just people like me. It's why I get a career. Like, maybe he should be a little more prideful. And like, he's there's there's an entire mo- movement in comedy and comedy films that happen because of him. Like, you know, the idea of like referencing comic books. You know, the idea of just also like the ran the how rare it is to have a person in Hollywood that nobody like thinks is a monster. Like, even if you don't like his work, nobody's like, you know, he's also an asshole. You know, that kind of that kind of thing. It, it, it plays up really well. Of like, you, you know, everyone is, you know, one step away from being canceled. Like, maybe we should, like, take a little more pride in, like, this seems to be, like, a nice guy. Like, you know, nice guy done well. Like, have that, like, maybe we should celebrate that. So I thought that was pretty well done. Nice. All right. Well, let's... I think it's time for sugar and spicy. What do you guys think? Do we not have a question? This no, week? we do oh, have a yeah. question. Yes. Yeah, and we have like the which movie do you prefer? I forget what what he calls it. Yeah, we have we have two questions. So yeah. one of them, you know, we'll we'll do both. The first one is gonna we'll do let's do Ryan's question first because that'll that'll be a little more involved. The um the other question I don't know how much Kendall and Casey will be. Uh, I have an contrib- answer though. Really? To the to both questions? To the Oscars one? Yeah. I uh, have like a conversation piece about it, yeah. Okay, well we'll see if I you might be referencing a different question, but we'll get to this in a second. All right. Oh, okay. First up, Ryan McDermott, Filmaholic Face Off. Thank you, Ryan. Recent films nominated for WGA but not Oscar. We're recording this on Sunday. WGA awards are tonight. Um I'm guessing that uh, Promising Woman and One Night in Miami win, but we'll see. Also not like super important for Oscar in that sense, but we'll get back to that. So uh, the first one is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or News of the World. I have yet to see either. I'm going to be the first to admit it. Um, I'm trying to catch up on movies for this year, but I haven't seen those. Mm, You were so hyped for the question. All right, let's move what? on. All right, let's move what on. That's so rude. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or News of the World. Ma Rainey. I still think we're talking about different questions, but I digress. I, 
I mean, I, I have two questions that were sent to me. I think if you have another question, we'll talk about it in a minute. Uh, Miles. I still haven't seen News of the World, so I guess I have to go with Ma Rainey by default, even though I only think it's worth watching because of the performances. Okay. Steve? I'm going Ma Rainey. I have not seen News of the World, but I did enjoy Ma Rainey a lot, especially uh, I love the way it closed out. It was one of those gut point type films. Casey? Uh, no comment. No comment. Ah. <laughs> she We're likes them both so much. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Right. I know. I'm getting dragged. Getting dragged. <laughs> <laughs> now they're just saying things that I'm too old to understand. <laughs> it's lit. Well, Palm well, Springs, Springs or Booksmart, Booksmart, I do, I do, I do have an opinion, opinion on. on. Yeah. All right. Well, good, 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 because the next one is Palm Springs or Booksmart. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking is at it the really? tweet. <laughs> yeah, it is. She see. She sees the tweet. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at I'm it. Looking right at right now. it right now. All right. Well, do you want to give an answer? I do, I do, you know, and you I want to say, say Palm Springs because it's such a unique, unique premise, premise, and like I, I loved, loved just the idea of that, that movie. movie. And Kristen Milioti and Andy Samberg were so good together, together in, it. in it. But I have but to say Booksmart because, because it was just like, just like so, so well done. Well done. Yeah. Um, um, Beanie Felt is excellent. It's kind of like I don't know. They pulled off that like like one night in the like teenagers movie really, really well. And Kendall, you have you have a scene that you oh yeah, Booksmart just for like the Barbie scene. Yeah. Oh my god, the Barbie scene That's is so fucking amazing. Good. I, I, I had tears coming down my face, face and, and I forgot about the scene. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I, I have to say it because that is so good. Remember when last week, Miles, I told you guys about my like worst movie day in a while with Rise of Skywalker, Cats, and like dealing with my former friend being shitty? Casey and Ken will know the story of that, but we don't need to get into that. But yeah, so two, not two maritime. massively disappointing movie, abortion of a movie, bad thing involving a friend. <laughs> like, not a, not the day you want to have. The year before that, I had a day where I went from Avengers Endgame in the, like, bright and early in the morning when they were still in embargo. So I was like, oh shit, I know this is good and nobody else does. And then that night saw Booksmart too. That might like be the complete best opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That might be the best Big movie double. day that I've had in a long time. I also want to give props to Skylar Gazan. I'm going to say his last name wrong. Gazando, I think it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Got a, got a, got a yeah. Yeah. I also want to give props to Skylar Gazan. I think it is. Um, I, I really hope it's Gazando. I really. Okay. <laughs> is, I don't know. It's G I S O N D O. But um, so he he is great in it, and also he's really good in Santa Clarita Diet. He's also in a uh, another teen movie. That was out last year called The Binge, which is The Purge, but for drugs uh-huh. and alcohol for teenagers. Not nearly as good. Mm. All right. uh, well, Miles? between Palm Springs and Booksmart, I mean, they're both great. I love them both. But Booksmart is like a borderline masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, you look at the trailer and you think, oh, it's a girl version of Superbad. But it's so much more than that. And I don't know. It's it's a movie that I just feel like is so profound. Also, if we're giving shout outs, uh, my favorite scene stealer in that has to be Billy Lord. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Also, also I think Booksmart got, got sold a little short because Beanie Feldstein is literally Jonah Hill's sister. And so, and so like, that, that association is really hard to not make. Yeah. Steve? Yeah, it totally stands alone. Do I even need yeah. to answer? <laughs> yeah, you're on, you're on Palm Springs. We know. We can move on. I don't know. We are all Steve, so we might have just answered for you anyway. Yeah. 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 I, yeah I, 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 you're on Palm Springs. Springs. I'm going to go surprise, surprise. No, book smart. Yeah. Is there a scene? Uh, 
the ones you mentioned. Movie? I just think overall it, it works so well, and it was so much more than I thought it was going to be. I, I don't know if the marketing did it wrong, but the audience is going to grow and grow for years to come. Fair. Agreed. Um, I'm also going to say the same thing. Booksmart, Palm Springs is great, too. Uh, my scene, though, that I think might be among the funniest is still in the uh, in the car with Jason Stegas when they're watching. Oh, porn. my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's that amazing. seems great. That movie is amazing. I, I, I was totally sitting tonight. Right. right? Yeah. yeah. Porn or Booksmart? Which one? <laughs> My God. You immediately said I'm totally resistant. It's a heavy pause. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, I've been caught. Oh, shit. How do I answer? <laughs> a beautiful day in the neighborhood or 1917? Well, he changed it to, uh, to loving. Well, I'm reading the one that was tweeted at okay. me. Okay. Well. I've got to look at my list for that year to remember what order I put them in. Because I, I mean, you can do a three-way: a beautiful day in neighborhood, nineteen seventeen, and loving. Because nineteen seventeen was nominated. That's why. I had nineteen seventeen higher on my list. I think I'm going to go with that one. But they're both phenomenal movies. Right. I have not seen Loving, so I can't comment on <laughs> it. You hate monger. <laughs> I'll go nineteen seventeen as well. It's not the masterpiece that people want it to be. This has always been my issue with it. Going in, I know how the war turns out. My heart was never racing, so I don't, I'm not sure if other people had the same experience. But technically, you know, and, and a lot of it's excellent. It's just, I think the idea of it is kind of faulted. Fair enough. Kendall? Uh, well, I haven't seen any of them, but I, I'm right. not a war. I'm not a fan of war movies. Um, I would probably pick Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood if I'd seen any of them. All right, Casey. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> yeah, I would say beautiful day. And I love Tom Hanks. And I love Tom Hanks. Who doesn't love Tom Hanks? Yeah. Um, I'm. Yeah, I'm also saying beautiful day in the neighborhood. I don't love 1917. It's fine. Um, beautiful day in the neighborhood made my top ten that year. I think I said it was the most important film of the year because you know the message of like kindness and being a good person in 2019, 2020. Like, goddamn, that's important <laughs> and rare, and just mm-hmm. super well yeah. done. Super well done. Um, eighth grade or a quiet place? <laughs> this one was hard yeah, because hard they're one. so different, and I like both of them, yeah, and I love both yeah, of them. And I always want to give him props, but I gotta go quiet place. The horror, the horror junkie in me can't not pick it. It was so good. Real quick, speaking of Bo mm-hmm. Burnham, that's who I thought the new Captain America was at first. I almost brought it up before, I but now that you put him up, I have right. to. Now that you've said that, yeah. I really wish that was the casting direction they went in because that would be hysterical. Right? Oh, yeah. fantastic. Like a six foot seven, weird looking Captain America. <laughs> like donkey, <laughs> gangly looking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a, a Captain America. Like, really, really awkward looking suit. Do yeah, we really want I, a Captain do we really want Captain America who sits idly by during sexual assault? All right. Well, well not when you put it like that. Well, yes, I can. In, I fair, in fairness, our previous Captain America, you know, murdered his grandfather for his inheritance, if you want to take it that direction. That's oh, true. Oh, gosh. What happened? This, this was so much fun. Now it's a Debbie Downer moment. Yeah, right. I know. Yeah, right. Listen, I got to work in a promising young woman reference. I know. That movie yeah, made, me, know, feel that movie made me feel very him. odd about him. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it, yeah. I don't think I'm over. I, it. I don't think I'm over. I still over have, like, weird, still have, like, weird feelings about it. Mm-hmm. But that's how effective his, his he wasn't. Exactly. It. It yeah. Really exactly. Yeah. Does make you like, oh, ugh. 
<laughs> Listen, he si- he can sing Paris Hilton, but he also's got a past. Yeah, and they make you like, like him so much. That's I think what makes me so extra, extra gross yeah. about it. Love, Love that movie, movie though. I literally gasped when you find right? out. Right? God. Yeah. I felt, I felt like, like sick, sick to my stomach. stomach. Oh my, oh my god. god. That's how you knew it was working. That's how you knew it was good. All right. Did anyone not answer the question? I did not yet. I think most of us didn't. Most, most of us, us didn't, didn't, yeah. Or go uh, ahead. Yeah. Oh, oh um, well, well, I... I so, so, okay. So, okay. so, I did, so I did like, like grade. grade. And, and as, as a middle school teacher, I will say it's, like, like kind, of kind of refreshing, refreshing to see that age group portrayed in a more honest, honest way. way. But I like to quiet place more. I think I just that whole movie, I had, like, stress stress the entire time I was watching it. I really, I enjoyed it. It was, like, a pretty... Unique, unique idea, idea. And, I and I love John Skin. I love Emily Blunt, Blunt like, really, really a lot. Really a lot. Mm-hmm. This review is brought to you by Tide. <laughs> <laughs> I will go with. Oh, this is a tough one. One, it's they're both great films in their own right. Uh, eighth Grade, though, I think, like you said, kind of refreshing the way they approached it. it wasn't a, a Nickelodeon Eighth Grade, and the acting. What's her name? Fisher, right? Maddie Elsie Fisher. Fisher? Elsie Fisher. Yeah. Elsie. Yeah, is uh, amazing. Uh, but on the other end, The Quiet Place is just such a fun film, and I I can see putting that on you know any day and, and really enjoying it again. Where eighth grade is kind of a, a difficult watch, so mm-hmm. yeah, well, yeah, let's go with you leave yeah, feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Quiet Place for me. Eighth grade's fine. It didn't connect with me in the same way. I think I was just so like wanting to crawl out of my skin every time she said Gucci. That that point <laughs> yeah. Me. Being a father of two girls uh, totally affects I me, mean, makes it more effective because I'm looking at this and thinking, this is coming. These things, these conversations, these, the Gucci. awkwardness with her the and word her father. Uh, the word, uh, honestly, my daughter, for some reason, has been saying Gucci lately, and I don't know what it is. <gasps> oh I better God. look into it. Yeah. Oh <laughs> so boy. for some reason, it's just like, ah, Gucci. But not not in the same way. She's not hand signals and all that uh, but yeah it's uh so I whoever was, did this must be a parent i'd assume yeah. whoever that oh burnham i guess yeah, yeah so no. it wasn't man um i was more uncomfortable by her saying gucci than when she was in the backseat of the car and that guy was like i'm gonna take my shirt off my god really wow yeah yeah that's uh, why i bought a, a baseball hat because of that there scene. you go there you go. Uh, next Ready? one, Black Panther. Oh, hold on. I, did, I didn't go. All right, go ahead. Oh. I haven't seen Eighth Grade, so it has to be Quiet Place. Um, <laughs> no, it's, I, I, I've been wanting to. I just haven't gotten around to it. But A Quiet Place, I think, deserves credit for being the only time I've ever been in a movie theater where the film is borderline silent and the audience was too, which yeah. like never happens. Usually someone's chatting or on their phone. But like when a packed theater can be in lockstep, engaged in the moment, that's when you know you've got something. Mm-hmm. Black Panther or I Tanya? Miles, go I, first. Oh man. Um oh, man. They're both great. I think the superhero junkie in me has to go with Black Panther because even within the realm of superhero movies, it really stands out. Uh, but they're both great. I'm gonna go the opposite. I'm gonna go I Tanya. It's one of my favorite movies of that year, and it's got great performances. Uh Margot Robbie, of course, Paul Walter Hauser. And Sebastian Stan, so you get a little bit of that superhero. You just have to pretend. Mm. 
Yeah, I'm going to go I, Tanya, because I'm not big on superhero movies, and I know I'm going to get a lot of shit for that, but Margot Robbie was amazing. She was. Um, it was it was just so good. I could watch it like 10 times in a row. It's- I love the tone of that film. I love, that's yeah. what surprised me. I When you hear they're making a Tanya Harding film, you're like, ugh. It's kind of like the uh, the Facebook film, you know, when they said, oh, Facebook right, right. coming out, and you're like, are you kidding me? And the Lego movie is another one. We go, ugh, why? And then when you How are they going to make that work? Yeah, they're, they're all all, all three of those are, are tremendous films. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Casey, um, um, I, I did love. I, I did, but yeah, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. Black Panther, um, Black just because, Panther, just because. I think. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't excellent. Movie I agree. It stands out. I agree. It stands out. Even as a superhero movie, but just what that movie did was so important. I think too, and like centering black voices, talking about kind of like the African diaspora. Michael B. Jordan was excellent. Michael Jordan was excellent. Chadwick Boseman was excellent. Lupita Nyong'o. I love her all the time. I just think that that movie. I just think that that movie was very important and important and started a very important conversation that is still happening. Very yes. much so. Yep. Yeah. Rare, rare, rare that a superhero movie, part of a larger thing already that's, you know, definitely disposable, can be important. Right, like, can, so accomplish, right, like, can accomplish all that. I think that's yeah. what stands out. Yeah. Gets, a, gets a special, like, uh, blue ribbon for me, even though I am going I, Tanya. And uh, it's great that it made a lot, so much money because that only kind of furthered the cause because now the people who are greedy – and doing it for the wrong reasons, at least they have to go, well, shit, we can make some money doing this. So the messages will get out more, even if it's, you know, for, like I said, for well, it also made it clear, like the, the, the small amount of voices who were like, we don't want this movie. And this is just, you know, like the people who, who don't want representation and think that it's like, just like pandering to like, uh, whatever their cause celebrity at the moment is mm-hmm. the fact that the movie was one of the highest grossing films of all time mm-hmm. kind of shut that up it was like no literally everybody wanted to see this movie well because then aside from that, well, it, was really aside from that it was a really enjoyable movie too and like the story was really cool and like obviously the visual effects were really cool i think all of us wished wakanda was a real place because like it was just so cool i mean i mean the an above average marvel movie is already good and then when you throw in like wait this is also saying things that are culturally relevant culturally important and yeah. even beyond all that like because it's not a bad movie because it was a bad movie you would still have things that you would praise about it but it would be disappointing you'd be like well this is you know it should have been, been one of those right? yeah, it been been one so much been more. Good. yeah yeah you know what's great about it that's why you get such an embrace of like well there's a whole generation now of of people who are going to dress up as black panther and and mm-hmm. Wakanda forever becomes, you know, a uh, phrasing like that's that's a thing that comes also from the movie being good. Now, all that being said, I did still pick Itania, but you know, still, I just love that the 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 writing of Itania with like when Alice and Jenny pops up and going, well, we certainly lost the thread of this subplot or something like that. Like <laughs> that that's something I like. But there's something, you know, still. One of or the- when she's uh, shooting after him the shotgun, then looks at camera. This is not how this happened. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things about Black Panther was when I saw it in the theater, it was so great. And, and you don't think about it until you actually sit down and think about it. The, the audience. You go to a Marvel film, and it is 20 to 40-something geeky guys, typically, opening weekend. I went, and it, the, the audience was the families. And, and, and I was sitting right next to a family, and they walked out, and the energy, they were so excited because now you have representation on screen and not just in a crummy film but one of the best films of that year and it was it just gives me the chills it's just such an awesome thing especially in this world that's you know lately has been a real dump um, he, to see things he's, moving he's still picked itania mind you 
Hey, I know, but now I'm starting to think about it. And I, I know, I know, it's fine. It's um, tough. No, and then the last one is Deadpool or Nocturnal Animals, and I'm going to go first because De- Nocturnal Animals sucks. So Deadpool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Nocturnal Animals does suck. Yeah. Kinda Nocturnal Animals is today? so fucking Kinda, what bad. What did you call it today? <laughs> yeah, Deadpool all the way. Deadpool <laughs> all the way, but I, I, I didn't. I didn't think it was terrible. I thought Golden was, Globe uh, winning film, Nocturnal Animals. Uh, no, so I hated bad. that movie so much. Yep. That's one of those movies where it doesn't end so much <laughs> as it just stops. Like, it looks like they accidentally left the last scene on the cutting room floor. Yeah. They're like, okay, so she's going to go out to dinner, and then we're going to end the movie on something. But first, um, we're going to go out to de- eat, and then they just forgot to come back. Yeah. They were saving yeah, you. I... Like, let you go oh, no, they were definitely saving me from watching more because yeah exactly i was i was i was done so but uh not good all right yeah deadpool's amazing so is deadpool 2 which is always nice when the sequel is just as good as the first so yeah i love deadpool yeah. all righty the uh next one next question we have is from flea 208 Hopefully the flea from the from the music world, but probably not. Chili peppers. Yeah. What year has the best international feature lineup at the Oscars? Oh jeez. Now here's the here's the quirk of this. That's why I was like, I don't I didn't think Kendall and Case were super hyped for this question, because like I'm sure you haven't seen the entire five of every lineup because I'm gonna go on limb and say most of us in some years have not seen the entire international film lineup. But the way I think we should do it is limited to some more modern nominees. Um, Cause we're going to just get into a realm where we're just like, well, I've only seen the winner from this year or whatnot. You know, like if I say like whatever year, you know, the battle of Algiers came out, I'm sure I didn't see all five, you know? Yeah. So let's maybe narrow it down. I mean, I absolutely loved Parasite. That's about I mean, all I, I can absolutely love. That's what I'm about to say. That's so I want it. not just to be everyone say Parasite. Because <laughs> um, the first time they gave out the award was 1947. So I don't think we're going to start there. Actually, for a while, they did not have nominees. They just gave out an award, like kind of like a special award in the 40s. It wasn't until 1956 with La Strada when they actually had nominees. But that's the thing, like in the older era, you would possibly know the nominees, you know, like Black Orpheus and the Virgin Spring. These are these are things that like cinephiles know about eight and a half in 1963. But like, you know, even in, let's say in 1963, did you see did anyone? Miles, you've seen yeah. eight and a half, right? I not. It's on my list. OK, but you know of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah, I've yeah. seen nine, which I'm not proud of. Yeah, exactly. But <laughs> close enough. Have you seen Knife in the Water from Roman Polanski? I have not. Exactly. Or, you know, the Red Lanterns, not Raise the Red Lantern. I the Greek film. Either. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, oh, you're, I... you're never going to get all five in these, even though there there are like some years that I'm noticing are pretty, pretty solid. Also, I love the Battle of Algiers was nominated for director, lost international film that year. In 1960-something. So, yeah, let's just go with since 2000, okay? So that'll... Yeah. You know, it's still 21 years, right? You know, it's still 21 years. 2000 is longer ago. 2000 2000 starts with one that I think everyone's seen. So it's a good start. Because otherwise, we're going to... What's that one? 
Are, are we going to go through them all or are we going to each throw out ours? Because I've got mine ready to go. I see yeah, mine too. I'm going to go quickly through them and see if uh, I'll skip certain years because I don't think there's going to be ones that everyone knows. But like, so yeah, 2000s a year, I think you guys might like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon one. And the other nominee that was well widely known was Amoros Peros, the uh, Inari 2 movie. Sure. Yeah. So those two are probably notable. Um, 2001 had No Man's Land win, but also had Amelie that year nominated. Oh, I hate Amelie. What? I, I, didn't, think it was, I didn't necessarily say <laughs> I, you didn't like it, but I know you saw it. No, I, no, I didn't hate not enjoy Amelie. She didn't see it either. Yeah, I was about to say, you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 2002 had Hero. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 2003 had Barbarian Invasions. Uh, 2004 had The Sea Inside, the Javier Bardem, mm-hmm. like, uh, dying movie. And Downfall, which is a great... Yeah, and, and oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Which but uh, led to millions of Hitler memes where he comments on current events. Uh, 2005, Sotzi, which gave us Gavin Hood, which for years annoyed Miles. Mm. Uh, the Lives of Others, 2006. That, see, 2006 is, I think, the, the year that a lot of people will pick because it's... Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and cut you off. 2006 is my pick because you've got The Lives of Others, which is a great movie. You've got yeah. Pan's Labyrinth, which is a masterpiece. And you've got After the Wedding, which is phenomenal. And from, I love Pan's Labyrinth I love so much. Yeah. Labyrinth and so from much. Canada, Water. Yeah, I don't know the other two, but the, was, uh, those remember, three are such a powerhouse I just lineup. remember uh, Salma Hayek going, and from Canada, Water. And you're like... There's a movie called Water. All right. Uh, but yeah, I think that's probably the, the leader in the clubhouse right now. Um, 2007, not really anything. 2008, only notable for me because I got it right. Almost everyone picked the class or Waltz with Bashir to win. And I picked Departures and was right. That's not a bad year. Yeah, it's, it's a solid year. Departures, Biter Meinhof, Complex, The Class, Revenge, Waltz with Bashir. They kind of all were, you know... I guess like not crossover successes, but they all made a few bucks. Like, you right. know, didn't didn't just play at two theaters. They all they all did okay. Um, 2009, The Secret in Their Eyes, and A Prophet and The White Ribbon. So that's a good year, also. That's a good year, yeah. A Prophet's very good. Um, the White Right. Um, the White Ribbon well, stars Tahar Rahim. Yep, there you uh, go. Well, that's the first time I saw him in anything. Yeah. Um, the White Ribbon is is just a very tough sit, but good. And uh, The Secret in Their Eyes is very good. Much better than the uh, the crappy, crappy remake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that Chiwetel Ejiofor and... Uh, uh, Nicole Julia Kidman Roberts. and uh, Julia Roberts, yeah. yeah. I liked that one, but okay. Uh, the the original is definitely better. Same, okay. same, same I idea. just love Nicole Kidman, you know that. So I do know that. Uh, <laughs> 2010 is a... Is a is, mm. 2010 has Dogtooth. And I do yeah. love Dogtooth. Wait, have you, Kendall Casey, have you seen Dogtooth? No. Oh, no. Sisters React Dogtooth. <laughs> oh my god, that it's, I can't wait for. It's Yorgos Lanthimos, the guy who did the favorite. <laughs> and um, he did the, the lobster, favorite. The favorite, lobster. Yeah. This is like mm. maybe his weirdest movie. Which is oh. saying something. It says a lot. Weirder yeah. than the lobster, yeah. Okay. okay, Dogtooth is about like a husband and wife who keep their children like ignorant to the outside world. Mm-hmm. So nice. essentially, they tell you nice. that like you can't leave the house until your dog tooth falls out. But like, 
essentially they'll be like, oh, if you go out in the grass, it's lava and like cats, <laughs> cats eat you. And like, you know, you need to like be worried about the outside world. But so of course, somehow worse than so welcome somehow to worse than welcome yeah. to Plathville. But here's the thing, because it's Jogos Lanthimos and he's a weird, weird fuck. Um, the kids are, you know, growing up now curious about things. So they, you know, they start to experiment in, in unique ways with the world. I think you guys would like it. It's super weird. Um, okay. So that's a good year because it didn't win uh, in a better world one, which is Suzanne. Pierre. Oh, that's a great movie. That's a good movie. And beautiful was nominated that year, which is fine. And yeah. in, in Sendies, the movie that gave us the Denny Villeneuve. Oh, that is a pretty good year. Uh, outside the law didn't do any shit for anyone because nobody saw it. I'm sure. But that's still four like movies that did well. Beautiful got an acting nomination. Javier Bardem got in another in your two movie. Dogtooth was like the epitome of the the category being saved by the uh, commission. So the way it used to work in this category, Ken Lone Casey was, you know, you would they would vote on like sort of a, a short list, you know, the way that like, oh, here's the 10 movies that are now competing for the five slots. But there was basically like a commission that would also have saves. So like if there's eight, you know, eight movies got put forward to the, the final five. But then they could go and pick two more movies. They would basically take two weird movies that were, you know, like dismissed by the group already to save it, to go forward. And Dogtooth is always like known as like that had to be one because it's so weird and so kind of cool. It's like it's like if Best Picture had the normal lineup and then the 10th nominee was like Saw. You're like, well, (laughs) one of these things is not like the other. Someone definitely pulled some strings to get that in. Uh, the next year was a separation. Also a great movie. Anyone agree? I, I agree. Seen it. That's about it. Well, you haven't seen. Oh, you'd like a separation. Yeah. I probably would. Um, 2012 had a royal affair Didn't and a more. A more's mm. a lot. Yeah, 2013 might be my pick. The Great Beauty one. Which is fine. Paul Ser- Paolo Sorrentino. Who I, I prefer Youth. Um, I know Youth was a very like divisive movie. But I love that movie. Um, Michael Caine and... Uh, Harvey Keitel. Oh, sure. Movie. Yeah. It has one of my favorite lines ever. They So it's about like these two older guys. They're at like a resort. They're famous. And it's like a resort for famous people. And uh, this, like, supermodel, like, gets in the hot tub they're in, like, I believe naked, and, like, walks by them. And Michael Caine goes, who's that? And Harvey Keitel just takes a a beat and goes, God. I just love that line. Um, That So the great beauty from that director won that year. But The Hunt was nominated that year also. Oh, Mm -hmm. sure, sure. Now uh, Academy Award nominee uh, and Best Director, Thomas Vinterberg. That year also had Omar which was the um, Palestinian film about um, what the hell was it? I think I played at MYFF. It was a, uh, I think he gets caught up and like mistaken for a terrorist. It was pretty sure, good. Sure. Um, I don't remember the missing picture, but I remember people liking it. And uh, my favorite of that group was the broken circle breakdown. The Dutch movie. That movie's incredible. Didn't see it. Didn't see it it's I'm shocked. It never got a remake. It's uh, it's about these two um, like musicians who meet when they're you know they're young and they're like they have a ton of sex 
and then they get pregnant. So they get married and they have this kid and the kid, um, I think it's leukemia or something like that, but they're in a, they're in like a, like a, like a bluegrass like band where they sing American songs, but it's just, it's very, it's so well done. I'm shocked they didn't remake it to be like, you know, wild musicians have a kid and the kid gets sick and it tests their relationship because it could so easily be like that movie. Uh, Wild Tales was the next year. Oh, that's a good one. Um, and uh, Ida from Pavel Palikowski. The next year had Son of Saul and Mustang and A War. That was a good year. Mm-hmm. 2016 had Tony Erdman. Oh, sure. Tony, er- I love Tony mm-hmm. Erdman. That's another, actually was getting a remake. That's an actually it was going to be with uh, Jack Nicholson, right? Yeah. Tony Erdman is another Sisters React movie, I think. Okay. It's not so it's 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 really interesting. It's a it's it's long, oddly. It's two hours and like forty two minutes for no reason. But it's a, like a like a father daughter comedy. Um this woman is is like she's overworked and she's she's busy and her father retired and I think his dog just died. Like he's lonely. So he wants to go like spend time with his daughter. And she doesn't have time for him. She's like a business, you know, she works at the business factory. Sounds and, like a great idea for Father's Day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, 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 you know, she doesn't have time for him. So basically um, he dresses, he likes to play pranks on people. So his, you know, his dog died. He's, he wants to reconnect with her. She doesn't have time for him. So he basically um, puts on this like disguise and starts to like befriend his daughter as this like wild human being. Wow. And it, it's really, it's really fun and kind of pleasant. And it has an amazing scene at the end where she, um, is having a birthday party and she's kind of like had a, uh, like a mental breakdown. So every time her, her, like all for basically everyone coming is like her, um, coworkers and boss. She like just takes off all of her clothes She's like, I can't deal with like she just wanted, I can't deal with this. She just like gets naked and keeps answering the door completely naked for her like coworkers who are coming to her birthday party and just insists they have to also be naked to come. It's it's hilarious. It's like one of the funniest scenes you'll see. Which is a great visual gag. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. You guys would like that movie, I think. That movie was nominated, same with The Salesman, that one that year. Um, a Man Called Ove was that year, the movie that was nominated and lost to Suicide Squad in Best Makeup. Oh, my God. Which, that not, that, since we mentioned that earlier, Star Trek was the other nominee that year. All right. 2017 had a fantastic woman. People liked quite a bit in the square. Uh, 2018 was Roma. Sure. Um, Capernaum, Cold War, Never Look Away, and Shoplifters. That's a pretty good one. That's a good one, yeah. And then last year was Parasite, Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Mis, and Painting Glory. And now this year, gotta imagine it's not going to be the one, but another round, Better Days, Collective, The Man Who Sold His Skin, and uh, Q Vadis Ida. So I know Miles picked his, right? Yeah, I mean, there's some good years out of there, but I've got to go 2006, because Lives of Others, Pan's Labyrinth, and After the Wedding are three of my favorite films, period, let alone in that period of time. All right. Uh, Kendall Casey Parasite doing it for you? Or is there something else that you heard? Um, no, I'm going Pan's Labyrinth. That's like right. one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Okay, so you guys are all on that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, same here. Same here. Uh, yeah. Um, 
the 2013 is my pick. Great Beauty, Broken Circle, Breakdown, The Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's a lot of great years when you look back. You, you forget about all these, you know, amazing films. But that three, the three in 2006, are tough to be. Sugar and Spicy, Episode Four, Nomination Bluesberry, written out of obligation more than anything else by Miles Hughes. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another exciting episode. When we left off. Stunningly handsome screenwriter Miles Hughes was trying to help his neighbor land a dramatic and emotional death scene on House of Chards. The only snag? His neighbor's two-time olive-winning actor and infamous sex pest, Kevin Spicy, voiced here for legal reasons by Nicolas Cage. They got as far as pitching the scene to series creator David Fitcher, who was having none of it. And as if that wasn't bad enough, Last night, the Olive nominations were released for 2021 with one glaring omission. We open in Miles' bog-standard sitcom apartment. Our hero, the one who's not a chili pepper or a sex pest, is sitting in the living room, occasionally glancing at his watch. Kevin Spicy is pacing back and forth angrily. The large chili pepper-shaped hole in the wall indicates he was not invited over. Outrageous. Outrageous, I say. After all I've done for them, after all the great performances I've given, outrageous. This snub is ridiculous. It's insulting. It's, it's outrageous. Audience laughs. Thank you. So you agree with me? I wouldn't take it that far. I mean, who's even heard of some of these films? Promising Young Walnut? Nectarland? The Trial of the Chicago Deep Dish? Manky Brains, Sound of Mozzarella, Judas and the Blackberry Pudding, and, and... Miles leans forward, waiting for the next one. And? I don't know, I can't think of anything for the father. Audience laughs. Yeah, that one's tough. At least Minari is already named after a food item. But my point exactly, what's a random movie where the characters all speak Korean doing getting nominated for Best Picture? Well, it's more of a 60-40 split between Korean and English. Not that that mattered to the Golden Grapes. Audience laughs. Either way, I'm still outraged. Just so we're clear, what film were you expecting to get nominated for? Well, Beyond the Sea Salt, of course. I can't believe they didn't go for it. Yeah, it's a real mystery. If I had to guess, I'd say it's probably because either you've been blacklisted by Hollywood or because that movie came out more than 16 years ago, but I couldn't say which. Audience laughs. Well, I'm not going to let this stand. We need to get this corrected and pronto. Uh, how do we do that? And by we, I mean you. And by you, I mean after you've either personally repaired or at least paid for that new hole in my wall. Audience laughs. There's no time for that now. We've got to appeal to the Academy voters. We've got to get the people on our side. We've got to let the world know what an outrage this is. Yeah, that's like three times more we than I'm interested in. Weird. That's what my partner said last night. Audience booze. You live a sad, strange little life, Kevin. I'm sorry, but I don't want any part in this. Come on, man. You've got to help me. I'll let you co-star in my next creepy Christmas video. 
As tempting as that sounds, I'm going to have to pass. I'll introduce you to Paul Schrated Cheese. He's still interested in doing a movie with me. Oh, the director of Domino's prequel to The Exorcist and that not-quite-porno with Lima Lohan? Somehow I think I can live without that. I'll stop bursting in through your wall like the Kool-Aid man. I don't believe you. I'll pour some sugar on you. Miles stops to consider. He gives Spicy a suspicious look. Not in a gross way, I hope. No, no, of course not. Just in a weird way. He takes some powdered sugar and massages it into Miles' scalp. Miles smiles with contentment. That's some dirty pool, Kevin Spicy. Fine, I'm in. But only because my girlfriend Heather Graham Cracker never does this for me. Oh yeah, how's she doing? Eh, not bad. She was just in the CBS All Access remake of The Standwich. Oh, I'm sorry, the Paramount Plus remake of The Standwich. Oh, no kidding. How was that? Fine, probably. I haven't seen it. It's just one streaming service too many, you know? Audience laughs. I hear that. Speaking of too many streams, for the love of God, do not finish that thought. Audience cheers. Will Kevin Spicy get the Olive nomination he clearly thinks he deserves? Tune in next time for more adventures from Sugar and Spicy. Brought to you by your friends at Awards Radar. So what do you guys think? It's clever. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's got, got a lot, lot of puns in there. Yeah. It's a, <laughs> a, it's lot, a, of lot, of, it's a lot of mileage out of a joke that I have, uh, am determined to run into the ground. Yeah, it's, it's basically a food pun delivery system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't like that? Yeah, good work, guys. Excellent. All right. Thank you. We can, uh, we can wrap up right now. Next week, we'll have more word shatter because there'll be some more stuff happening. And we'll probably talk about Invisible because I've seen the first three episodes. I know Miles is eager to watch it when it drops next week. Um, you mean Invincible? Invincible, yes. Invisible is my uh, delivery of that line. <laughs> yeah. Hear that editing, Steve? Yep. But yeah, Invincible, the Amazon series, it's good. Uh, more to come soon. In the meantime, uh, Miles, say where they can follow you. All right. You can follow me on Twitter at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. You can also find me on Instagram at Marvelous Miles, although, as usual, I never check it. And please check out my short film, American Exorcist, which you can find on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures. Awesome. Uh, Casey. Um, you can, you find, can find me basically, basically only on Twitter, on Twitter at Casey Tinston. So that's easy. There you go. And <laughs> in general, just don't find her. That's kind of what she's getting at. <laughs> she's like, I, um, I'm, I'm still getting vaccinated. Don't find me in real life just yet. Second, second shot, shot is on Easter. On Easter. It's, coming. it's coming. Friday for me. Nice. Um, you can find me at KT Awards Radar on Twitter or Light My Kendall on Instagram. When's your vaccine coming? Tuesday. There we go. Um, we did miss a question. I don't know if you want to do anything about that. It was from Matt Anderson. It was, with how unpredictable the supporting actress race is this Oscar season, can you name another year where any of the acting races was as hard to predict? Um, I mean, sure, we can. Thank you, Matt. Um, there, there have been years. I think this is a quirk of the, the year we're having. But, I mean, I think it's fair to say that the, the years where you, 
Miles, do you have one that springs to mind? Because I'm thinking of like Bill Murray, Sean Penn, Mickey Rourke, Sean Penn, or like they legitimately seem to be an either or situation going into the night. Right. Uh, well, if we're talking supporting actress, the only one that springs to mind is the year that uh, Tilda Swinton won, just because yeah. she it, there wasn't a clear front runner that year. But beyond that, um, I think yeah, that, this one is sort of the best recent example. In terms of yeah, in terms of best supporting actress, we're just talking that they that one is probably the best answer because they it wasn't until it felt like that like week of the Oscars that people started to go, you know, I think like Tilda Swinton might win that one. Yeah. Like, I think you legitimately might have put her at like five at other times in that, like in the lead up to that race. Yeah. Normally, yeah. normally that category. And honestly, normally the, the winners in the acting categories in general are pretty locked in by Oscar just because SAG's already chimed in. There's not a whole lot else that can happen. Um, I guess, you know what? I think maybe when, um, when Marissa Tomei won for my cousin Vinny. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. That's probably the the most uncertain because I think the I think you were thinking Vanessa Redgrave, Miranda Richardson, Judy Davis, you know, like it just she stuck out like a sore thumb there because, um, yeah, every every other time, especially in the modern times, I mean, maybe Marsha Gay Harden for Pollock. You know, what? that might be another one, because I think people were th- were assuming that one of the almost famous women was going to win. Kate oh, Hudson, sure. Francis McDormand, because other than that, like recently, Jennifer Connelly won everything. Catherine Zeta-Jones won everything. Zellweger won everything. Well, and Shed. Yeah, 2016 was a crazy year. I was looking back. Um, so uh, for supporting actress, Alicia Vikander won for The Danish Girl. But there was also Jennifer Jason Lee, um, Rooney Mara, Rachel McAdams, and Kate Winslet. And just that year in general had like amazing movies. We had Room. We had Spotlight. Like The Revenant. Well, um, yeah. The Martin. I mean, I mean quality-wise. Yeah, quality was wise it? was there. Um, the only the, the funny part was Alicia Vikander won almost everything. Um, so she yeah, was. But I just she, feel like that whole year it was like any it can go any way because everything was amazing. Well, but. the interesting part of it was it kind of could go in a different way, but for a different reason was the interesting because she a lot of people thought she was lead in the Danish Girl, and she also had Ex Machina that year, where sometimes she right. would get nominated for Ex Machina instead, or sometimes one of the two would get pushed lead. So you weren't sure how the vote split would go. But what happened was um, the presumed number two, Rooney Mara, had the same problem. She was a supporting in sporting where she clearly is co-lead with Kate Blanchett. So that that didn't go over well. So she didn't pull votes in the same way. But still, like if you look at like who won most of the precursors, it was her. I mean, I guess the most recent like close race might be Lupita Nyong'o, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, sure. Because Jennifer Lawrence won BAFTA, like, right before the Oscars. And that was an interesting quirk. Um, but yeah, Allison Janney cake walked over Laurie Metcalf, Regina King. I guess Regina King missed a bunch of places, but there wasn't a second place. There just never was a person. No one from The Favorite really, like, distinguished themselves as the number two. Yeah, I mean, more often than not, there isn't a, a close race, which is what makes this year interesting. Yeah, good question. Yeah. All right, cool. Um, you guys have a uh, anything else you want to share before we wrap up? Um, not really. Just like, no, I'm done with this nonsense. <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, do we want to recommend a movie to watch or no? I mean, if you want, go for it. 
Um, well, I was just thinking about it the the other day. Um, room. Scooby Doo. No, room <laughs> with Brie Larson. Yeah. Um, it's hard to watch, and there that scene in the truck is like impossible not to like hyperventilate while you're watching it. But that movie mm-hmm. is so good, and I love Brie Larson. Cool. Yeah. Casey, you want to do one? Um, um, I, I hadn't thought about ahead this. about this. Um, She's like the room. Fine. Well, no, well, no, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, yeah. Watch it. Um, um, yeah, room with a view. I don't know. I mean, if anyone, I mean, if anyone hasn't seen like Black Panther or Book Smarter, any of the movies we talked about today, there's some really good ones in there that are worth that are worth revisiting. revisiting. That one, that seems like a long shot, but yes, if they haven't, they should. <laughs> um, Miles, you want to do one since they did one? Uh, yeah, I finally got around to seeing uh, Minari um, uh, last night, and I thought it was wonderful. Um, it. it it kind of makes me sad because I look at the categories it's nominated in and I feel like supporting actress is maybe the best chance it has to win anything. And even that's kind of a long shot. Um, but it is really nice and it's playing in select theaters now as well as on demand. So, um, definitely get around to it if you haven't yet. Cool. Uh, you can follow me at Joey Maggotson or I guess awards radar, um, at all of your chosen social media haunts. And I'm going to recommend a movie that, is a far cry from what you guys are talking about, but really amuses me. And I recently saw it on TV again, and it led me down the rabbit hole of watching it and then realizing it was on demand and watching it again. It is from 1987. It's a movie that is as old as I am. The secret of my success, which is one of my favorite Michael J. Fox movies. Um, I'm assuming neither of you have seen it. None of you have seen it. I haven't even heard of it. It is, um, He's a, uh, like, from Kansas, and he moves to New York to be, like, you know, to work at the business factory and to make it. Because it's 1987, so remember, like, business is, like, key. It's, like, you know, that's how you know you're successful if you, you know, are an executive at a business. And the company he's going to work for like, goes under the day he arrives, so he's got to figure out a job. And is like, one of his relatives works at this giant company, so he gets a job in the mailroom as opposed to, like, the executive he was going to be. But he's, you know, got his big plans, and there's an empty office he walks into and someone I think mistakes him for work for an executive. So he just starts to pretend to be also an executive at the company. So he has a fake name and just like he's wooing a girl and like the boss who is his uncle is trying to figure out who's like undercutting him at the company. And it's that it's like very like mistaken identity, like zany comedy, but done with Michael J. Fox, who's one of the most likable actors ever. It's just great. Also, it's where the song I'm walking on sunshine came from. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was Golden Globe nominated for a different, for The Secret of My Success Also song. featured in Also featured in summer, 500 right? Days of Summer, right? No. That's what's that no. scene? That that's what's that scene? Watch. That movie I want to watch. Watch 500, watch. Days, of 500, 500 Days, of days of Summer. Yeah, for sure. The Secret of My Success, um, Walking on Sunshine, doesn't appear on the soundtrack, oddly. But um, is it the first movie that had it? I don't know. It's one of the first movies that had that song. Well, when did it come out? Because I was in uh, American Psycho as well. Um, The movie's from 1987. Then probably before that. Yeah. But that's set in the 80s, so when you think about it. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, watch American Psycho too. Why not? (laughs) All right. Sure. And read Awards Radar. But uh, we've gone long, so we're going to wrap up now. And we will be back next week. Some of us, perhaps all of us. Who knows? In the meantime, uh, stay safe, get your vaccine, and uh, eventually you'll be back at the movies.